Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello and well, welcome to Let's Drone Out. Tonight you are joined by everyone's favourite curry kitten. Sorry for talking. Our Lord and Master Frank. Good evening. Uh, the man with the moustache, Stephen. Evening all. And the uh, rich but breathy, dirty, mcstingy Chris. <laughs> Hello. Hello and welcome. Uh, let's start the show. I believe Frank, you've uh, you set this up. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, well, I mean, a while back there was the uh, Pop and Model Show where there was a load of tiny wheat racing sort of representing the FPV world there, uh, and so uh, I, I got slightly involved in that. I made some trophies for that. Uh, so I, I was in a group chat with Chris G and and Chris Dirty McStinky, who we have on tonight, and uh, a few other people. And so I thought, you know, it's the beginning of October. The weather will have been turning by then. We'll we'll be, you know, deep in in our uh, hibernations by now. Uh, it would be good to to have some sort of updates on what the tiny weeps are doing. Uh, it's Still quite summery outside at the moment, but nevertheless, we have Chris on. So thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, That's all right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, because uh, you you kind of ran the racing, right, is my understanding at, at the bottom show? Yeah, so Chris G uh, has the works, well, he flies with Popham Airfield. <clears throat> um, last year, uh, he... He had an event going on, but it wasn't. There wasn't really any kind of tiny whooping going on. He had like five-inch race gates in a tiny whooping closure, yeah. <laughs> and kind of just asked me to fly around them for a few hours, and which was great because I didn't have to fight for VTX time at all. Like none of the people that were flying wings there didn't bother with VTXs. Sorry, didn't bother with um, FPV. So we had the whole the whole day to do it, which was a bit of a nightmare trying to manage the batteries, keeping them going, so that spectators were there. Mm. Uh, we got to see that and then this year was 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 much bigger we had a much bigger turnout uh lots of people come to see uh, i did run the races i did a two-day event because i i wanted to do uh, so when i say two-day event i mean i did a race one on one day and a race one on another day which is why you ended up making s- six trophies i think yeah, it was six trophies, yeah yeah, and the only reason why I did that was because we we had some pilots who said at the outset that they couldn't make the first day or the second day, so I didn't want to exclude them from a, a two day event. Hmm. So we just did single races on each day, and then gave out prizes. Nice. It was really good fun. It was um, the tent was massive, so I think next year we're going to try and get even more of the tent because there was just so much space to play with inside. <laughs> there were only a, there were only a few stands there. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for context for anyone who hasn't been to any of the Popham events, so the so Popham is a manned airfield uh, where they have a load of um, you know, microlights and things flying in and out. And they also have the Light Aircraft Association sort of rally, which means for that event, they get in some really, really big marquees to hold in all the various stalls for that, for that event. And they, you know, happen to have the pop model show very close to that event. And so the marquee people don't take the marquee down. So there's an absolutely enormous marquee sitting next to uh, the runway that gets uh, shut down for the big model flying so that there's enough, sp enough space for you know, jets and turbines to fly on this, this what is usually a manned runway but gets shut down for the event for model flying. And then there's this really, really, really big marquee that has, you know, otherwise sits empty. And so basically there's... It, were there any... Uh, there, I think previously there's been some, like, model railway stuff in a corner somewhere and, like, some little buggies in the corner somewhere. Yeah, so they have, like, a little water display. They had tanks. Um, I think last year they had slightly more in terms of the displays because they had, they had planes, tanks, they had a railway system. But this, this year was... So they, they did have the model railways. They still had the waterworks and the tanks, which was really good. Uh, we got... A chap called Mike, um, who's based over in the race castle area, he does a lot of uh, small crawlers. And we got him to come and do a stand as well. Got people really interested in that. So it, it was a good – we had like – I don't know. I'd, I'd like to say we had like the lion's share of spectators there because <laughs> where it was situated by the airfield, the, the natural flow of spectators was – out of the airfield, straight into the tent, and then we just they just come and s sort of sat around the netted area and just watched us fly. Yeah, and you, you presumably got this this huge space to then fill with bits of track equipment, whatever you can get yeah. hold of. Yeah, so well, fortunately, I'm I'm a member of the Hamworth um, Tiny Whip Club, mm. and they've already got a, a load of gates that I just basically I basically nicked out of storage and used all of those. So we managed to populate the area with um, tons of LED gates. We even used some of Chris's five-inch gates. Um, there was like a massive cubed five-inch gate right in the middle of it all that we made a feature out of and had to fly around. Oh, nice. So it was, yeah, it was really good. So on the subject of tiny whoops and racing, mm. I feel the definition of a whoop has gone a bit broad these days in terms of, what you can have in size and motor and like motor KV or power. Do you have rules about what, what a tiny whoop is for, for racing terms? Yeah, so definitely with the advent of these new frames, like the, the, the pro versions, uh, they definitely sort of convolute the, and people have to be a, lot, a bit more uh, restrictive or, or define specifically what the whoop is. But to me, a tiny whoop, really is something that's at, at 65 mils. I don't really have anything. So it's the part, it's the size of my hand essentially is, is roughly the size of a whoop. And then the one up from that, that's 65 millimeters. The one up from that is 75. I, people call them whoops, but I mean, there's, there's so much more power to weight ratio in them that you can do a lot more. They're more, more outdoor friendly. They can, they can still fly through a bit of gust of wind. Whereas a 65 millimeter will, will, quite easily get knocked off course even with the mildest gust of wind so i would say anything from a 65 millimeter frame to the pro frame which is just ever so slightly bigger it's about five mil bigger on each 
five or four mil bigger on Is each. Forty-five um, millimeter prop version versus forty yes. mil. So that's the 75 Pro version. So they've got a 65 Pro and a 75 Pro. And the Pro version is 45 millimeters prop size. Standard 75 millimeters is 40 mil props. And then you're at 35, I believe, for the Pro version. And then it's 31. And, and what are you designing the tracks for? What, what size do you have in mind when you think about the gaps and the speed and all that? 65 65 millimeters. So the, the gates, we try to build all of the gates or we in, try to encourage people to build all of the gates to at least a, a 50 centimeter um, post by post so that all of the gates are sort of regulation size, essentially, or they're all the same size, regardless of what whoop event you might go to. Um, so with that size, trying to fit a 75 millimeter through that at speed can be a bit tricky sometimes. So it's, it's often <laughs> best or Normally, we'll just define straight up that none of the bigger quads will just have 65 only. We'll accept 65 Pro because it's still within that sort of same size range. Uh, and I think people feel like it gives them a slight advantage because you're running a slightly bigger prop. Uh, but I've seen people on standard 65 millimeters completely trash Pro flyers. Yeah. So and presumably, it, you can it, go longer with the, without the battery dying as well, so a wee bit more efficient with a big prop. Yeah, slightly more efficient. You could definitely get maybe 30 seconds more flight time out of there. And it, it kind of really just depends on how aggressive you are on the throttle. Um, like on average, you could probably get about, I don't know, about, about four minutes. If you were really gentle and you were just cruising around, probably four minutes on a 65 millimeter. And then if you were to go up to 75, you're probably looking at about six, seven minutes. But it all depends on the build, how light you make it. Because I think... Regardless of the, the, the KV that you can run on a motor, regardless of the flight controller that you're using or the camera that you're using, it's ultimately always going to come down to the weight ratio that you're pushing. So the lighter you can make your work, mm -hmm. the better it is going to fly. The longer it's going to fly, the more you can do with it. So we're, we're not in winter yet. People may not be, you know, stuck indoors having to race indoors, but they might be thinking about buying parts and perhaps upgrading last year's or, or things they have in the cupboard what would you recommend what's your kind of go-to choice of components that you prefer to race at the moment um so for me then so the camera is the uh, foxy pico camera uh it's just the easiest one to get in the uk unfortunately there's like a major shortage of work parts in the uk there aren't many you've got all your major shops but Every time they get something in, like a f some new frames or some batteries or something, they're, they're just gone instantly. So you, you tend to find you'll end up be buying from China or you'll be paying the huge costs for shipping from America. But for products, normally I would use Foxy Pico or uh, the Tiny Whip Pinch for a camera, for a flight controller. I prefer the diamond, the happy, so that there's this, uh, happy model make this board called uh, a diamond board, which is normally you, uh, the boards are either just square shaped by uh, like square, but the 25 millimeter by 25 millimeter mounting, or you can get the cross shaped boards, which are a bit easier to fit into some of the pro frames because they actually make the, the whole, uh, the mounting hole for the flight controller slightly smaller. Uh, They're like scalloped sides, aren't they? Instead of straight yeah. sides, so they fit with the bigger ducts. Yeah, so so I prefer the uh, the diamond purely because of its its weight. It's it's really light. Um, it's analog, but you can you can put a HDZ VTX on it if you want to. Motors. So 
that's a tricky well it's not a tricky one um for me i've actually started winding my own motors wow crazy man you might say yeah stupid yeah well i mean if you're if you're chasing the grams winding your own motors can can literally knock off a half a gram in total of the entire build and a half a gram on a on a, a whoop that weighs maybe 17 is it's just like 20 <laughs> percent. it's ridiculous so it's it really does pay dividends plus there are some efficiencies to be to be bagged from winding your own motors um but so generally, do you wind them to get a higher KV, or what are you aiming for? Twenty-four thousand is my golden ratio KV. I, I don't really. I think anything higher, you're just dumping current into the motors, and anything lower, you're you're really going to be pushing too much through potentially the flight controller, and you could you could pop an ESC on there. Right now, are those um, motors. The tiny boot motors had kind of this KV competition where everyone was claiming higher and higher KVs. Are the ratings to be trusted on tiny boot motors? Is the KV rating rating real, or are they just imaginary numbers? I think it's ballpark. Whenever you see a KV on a motor, it's always ballpark. I think the actual science to get an exact KV is actually quite difficult to do um, because you've got to. It depends on the wire thickness, the number of winds you put on it. So I always take them as sort of like a, a rough, but if you're going to do freestyling in a, in a whip, then absolutely something like 25, 26, 30. You, you, I mean, uh, like there's a, a chap in America called Ciotti um, who does, he, he swears blind to using higher KV motors, but I, I, I kind of tend to disagree because I think you're just wasting a lot of current from the battery. Mm-hmm. Um, you could quite easily perform some of the same tricks you could do on a, 26,000 kV motor versus the 30. So, but for for me, for racing personally, 24 is the golden um, ratio. I prefer that. It's just very difficult to find motors that are actually off the shelf at 24K. Most of them are either 26 or 27. You can get some 22s and some 20,000s. They're pretty decent. Um, So for the motors that I would recommend... On a 65 millimeter, it, for me, I prefer uh, 702s. So, the, and that refers the numbers referring to the actual size of the stator itself um, in millimeters in height and in width. 702s aren't the smallest motors you can get, but they're going to be the lightest uh, in power to weight ratio. They're about the smallest you can get, I think. That's smaller than a 603, isn't it? In just ever it's, it's 603 is taller isn't it yeah so it's so 50 percent taller than a 702 so it, yeah yeah so you're probably right there i think there i always thought that you can get i thought you could get 602s but i've not oh, entirely sure seen, now. maybe maybe it's quite a new size that one isn't it they kind of appeared last year the 0702s yeah yeah um I, I suspect we haven't seen, with the advent of all of these different types of frames that are coming out that are experimenting with different prop sizes, I kind of suspect that we're going to end up seeing something like 702.5s and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 802.5s, you know, the incremental increases just to see if you actually gain any benefit out of having a slightly bigger stator. And you, you do in most instances, you just, there is a downside, like you, uh, they say the most efficient motor is an 802 motor. Uh, and it is quite efficient um but it's weight it's it's 
it's just bigger so it's it's it just adds more weight unnecessarily to the whoop when you could be flying something that's super lightweight so yeah, i think always, i remember sorry go ahead no i was just saying because it all comes down to weight um in my opinion yeah i think i remember a french guy um i can't remember his name but he, he he did all his flights in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere and had this kind of whoop dungeon set up underneath um uh angry don Angry Don, yeah, and he was he was pushing for the 0702 motors and also the kind of ultra lightweight um, smaller flight controllers as well. So a lot of this stuff has come from him, and I think he had some spectacular falling out with the manufacturers after kind of getting these ideas built. Uh, it looks like we're starting to see the reap the rewards of his work now. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame actually because he was he was kind of um, innovative in in the whoop scene. And he was really pushing some like some really cool designs, some new sort of like canopy designs, and yeah, he, he kind of just sort of it all went a little bit south for him, really. I think with um, Happy Model, they just and I think it's even like I, I mean I don't know how salty I'd be bloody salty if I came up with all these ideas and then a year down the line, and all of a sudden I'm seeing them come to market and everyone's like, Ooh. so <laughs> a lot of people have that experience dealing with like mass manufacturing. It's a tasteful yeah. at times. Yeah. Are there See any, previous shows with uh, Hydra for more information. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there still any holdouts in the racing scene that are still like on on like brush motors or anything? Or is everyone like <laughs> got like is everyone staying up to the date with the latest stuff in, in the race? I think most people nowadays are brushless. So I don't really see I mean I know people some of the people because I've only been in this hobby for a couple of years and I know the people that have been in it for a lot longer have got shelves of old whoops that are all brushed that they don't use or fly anymore um curry indicating you... towards the shelf presumably <laughs> yes yeah, sorry yeah a whole bunch of them up there they, they work quite nicely as very gentle quads to fly around indoors and be able to go through little gaps but yeah you were just talking about like the kv of motors like 24 26 if i try and fly a 22,000 kv indoors it's it's a nightmare it's like it's just it's like a pinball watching it bounce off the walls that's (laughs) just my flying i'm sure in the hands of someone half decent it would be fine but not for me there there is a learning curve to when you're flying there's certain things that you can do to tame the whoop a little bit but there is definitely a learning curve to flying the smaller quads say in in your front room or under your sofa or something Mm -hmm. like that um the one thing you could do is, is lower the camera angle so have it almost like five degrees rather than something like 45 degrees you could definitely tame it that way um uh, well, i can't think there was another one my, my, my mind's gone uh, blank I mean, is is everyone what about there's because there was uh the hv batteries right that was a that was a big thing a while ago is that is like everyone gone hv has everyone given up on hv what's the standard there what, what, what about batteries no, it's it's preference i think most people i know that fly whoops these days all fly hv whoop, uh, mm. batteries now but there in itself is a bit of a nightmare because batteries are they're like gold dust they're very mm. hard to get hold of and you, you tend to find that you'll end up be buying them from aliexpress or uh, places like that really because they just don't they don't have the shops in the uk don't have good stock of them unfortunately or they do that they'll be selling things like dog com batteries rather than tattoo ones and there is an element of lipo snobbery in 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 the <laughs> hobby to a degree. I mean, I only fly tattoo because I just I've tried a lot of the batteries and they're just the ones that perform the best for me. They give me that 
oomph really at the very end when you're starting to feel the sag of the battery. They really, they still keep giving you. Hello, giving Zoe. You. Hey, Zoe. Zoe FPV in the chat. Hello. Hope you're doing well. 3D whoops. Oh, I don't, I've never tried that. I don't think I could. You know, I mean, you're power the master to weight of ratio. I mean, you need a lot of power to hold 3D. Because unless you props have 3D as well, prop. I feel like yeah. prop uh, props on whoops are fairly kind of you know sculpted. I, I feel like they're not very 3D, they're very uh, asymmetrical. You throw away a lot of thrust in reverse thrust. I'm not sure it would actually hold its weight. No, no, uh, well, um, no. Well, a lot of people. So you've got the turtle mode option on there. So for anyone that's listening, if your whip land, if your whip lands on its on its top. Mm-hmm. You can turtle mode and then get right up. But the problem with whoops is there's no control on it. You basically just go full throttle uh, with when you turtle mode. So a lot of people don't actually turtle mode because it can pop an ESC on the flight controller. Yeah. I the, remember the it was a thing things. a couple of years ago where turtle mode only worked on some whoops because they just didn't all have enough power. Some of them were too heavy and you couldn't. Yeah, yeah. If you've got, um, if you've got an ultra lightweight whoop, Nine times out of ten, even a bi blade will push it over. But if your whoops say pushing twenty grams and you've got a bi blade on it, you're probably just going to spin on the floor. You're not really going to be able to write yourself up. So, but the props themselves, um, they're pretty robust things. I think I've never had a problem with any of the props, and the most problems I do see are them pinging off in a in a severe crash. Because they're they're all push fit essentially. So in a in a really big crash, you can you can ping one off and it can go flying somewhere. And they're a nightmare <laughs> to find in the dark. Oh. I remember so, trying to change props to test out different props, and if I wasn't careful, I just pulled the uh, shaft clean out of the motor. They were a nightmare. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So there's actually a, a tool out in the market now. Now this this thing is like coveted. It's called the prop popper. Uh, I think it was made by a chap called Winson FBV. Uh, and, and tiny whips sell it this thing is uh, it's like a little hook with a press on the top and you just hook under the prop and you press and the prop just pops off it's, it's no no more of this wrestling <laughs> and cutting your fingers open and destroying all your it's oh, just yeah, a, yeah. bleeding so fingertips it's way worse oh, than yeah. trying to get a big five inch prop off because those things are just sharp and tiny <laughs> sharp edges and nothing else yeah, you do end up with some slight cuts or your fingers develop calluses like you're playing guitar or something and then you just start <laughs> yep. tacking them on. Nice. So how how about props then? Like, Is there like a, a standard prop that everyone's using? Do you just get whatever you can get hold of? Like buys, tries? I mean, I feel like quad blades was standard like a few years ago. So presumably things have moved on since then. Yeah, so with the power of the motors these days and the lightweight of them, you don't necessarily need quad blades anymore. Tri blades seem to be the most used um, prop in tiny whoops. Uh, you get some people that fly by blades because they just like the feel of by blades. I personally fly by blades because I, I like to have that kind of skid feel in a in a turn. Essentially, tri blades will give you a lot of grip in a turn, so you could you could pretty much come up to a gate full pelt turn and then go the other way kind of thing with by blades it's more of a you've got to swoop in and you've got to come in you've got to make the line right um so try blades definitely uh for makes hq gem fan they're the ones that i primarily see most people use 
Um, HQ are more, well, I think the consensus, as far as I understand it, is that HQ make efficient props. Uh, Gemfan makes sort of like uh, what's really grippy props, essentially, things, that, props that will allow you to get that turn on a dime kind of thing into and out of whatever it is you're doing. As long as you've got the batteries to do it. As long as you've got the, yeah, as long as your lipo's not screaming at you. Speaking of screaming lipos, one thing that's kind of ex- exploded over the last couple of years has been going from from everyone but everyone flying PH 2.0 and hating it to through a brief phase where people are like, I'll just solder an XT30 on with like Bob Brugge and that flying the, the larger toothpick stuff. And, and now we're seeing like, what are we up to? Three different standards for plus the BT 2.0. There's a beta FPV one and a GMB one and a third one that appeared recently. So what's the deal with all that? Um, so as I, as I understand it, so BT 2.0 came in and because it's essentially something like it's, it's tantamount to like an XT 10. So it, it just allows a lot more current to pass through. So it's, it's better than either the rolled or folded pins that you can get from the pH connectors. Mm. So it's just, it just allows a lot more current to pass through. But as I understood it, I think beta FPV had, cause it was, it was a, um, a licensed product from beta FPV. So a lot of people didn't want to, I don't think a lot of companies wanted to pay the license. And then, uh, GMB the just Apple come accessory route then like, yeah, of course anyone can use this if you pay us. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I think most companies did sort of like, cause you just saw a lot of pilots switch to BT2. So anyone that was making a LiPo would probably see a dip in pH battery sales. So they just thought, okay, well, if we're making these little 1S sticks and people just aren't using them because of the pH connector, let's switch over. But GMB did something rather clever, actually. They've, um, have you heard of the A13? So this is new connector that's just come out, which is pretty much exactly the same as a BT2 connector. But what they've done is they've put a groove on the LiPo side so it's kind of like a guide groove so that the connector is comparably different to the BT2 connector that it doesn't infringe on anything, but you can actually still use BT2 lipos <laughs> in the plug. So it's brilliant. Nice. So I think a lot, of people are, a lot of people are switching over potentially to the A30s. It's a much of a muchness, really. If even, they're, they're exactly the same. They're both, they both um, deliver the same amount of current. And they're both the same size. What's pins, your preference? So. What do you find easier to? Because ultimately, it's like, can I easily buy the battery leads, and can I easily buy the batteries? What What's the easiest to get hold of? Uh, so I use uh, sticks now, so I don't actually have any battery leads. Uh, so well, the lead that comes on the on the connector itself, which is a BT two connector. Um, but most of the lipos I buy are stick lipos, so they actually have a mm. connector on the top rather than a cable. Uh, again, a weight saving thing, but for connectors on the actual whoop side, it doesn't really matter. You can use the A30 or the BT or, a, uh, well, if pH, if you're using pH batteries, but you, for any LiPo that has a BT2 connector on it, you can use an A30 so or a BT on the whoop. It's I'm just wondering what the easiest type of LiPo to, to get. So it's um, BT2, the one, uh, the best selection. Tattoo, probably. Tattoo are probably the best ones or the easiest ones to get hold of the there always seems to be good stock on AliExpress for those. Um, plus all the major companies in America, like Tiny Whoop and Weebleed, um, and I think FYS Crafts, they they generally stock all of those now, uh, BT2 LiPos. 
but it's just the name of the actual connector. So, but yeah. So that's what I would advise anyone to go for if they were looking for if they were looking to buy some lipos. pH is absolutely fine if you're just getting into it. pH is absolutely fine. Um, it, it's going to give you enough light time, and it's going to get you, you know, in the air. And the lipos will last just as long as BT two. I ones. use them for my lazy house cruising. I've got like a yeah. mob light, which is you know nineteen grams on a seventy five mil frame, and can cruise around the house on on a pH two point I'm not pushing it, and it gets me like five minutes in the air. So it's, yeah, at that rate, it's enough enough to get that sort of power throughs on such an efficient quad. If it's not racing. yeah. Yeah, so because so, uh, I mainly race them, most of my, pretty much all of my lipos are are BT2 connectors. So it just makes it easier for me to, if I'm going to do some sort of light cruising or freestyling, I'll just use the same lipos essentially. Cool. But it doesn't really matter if you're just starting out. If you're racing, then I would probably say, or I would push you to say uh, to go towards BT2, just because you're you're just going to. It eliminates that sag towards the middle and the end of the battery when you're really pushing to try and finish off your three laps or however many yeah. laps you're doing. You're just not going to feel that sag, and you can keep pushing it. And it would be wonderful to like take off and not instantly be down to like 3.6 volts. That would be that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing as well. Yeah, when you take off, you still at four volts just for about five seconds, and then <laughs> then you're into the threes. But. Um, it's really good. So yeah, so uh, BT2 lipos for chargers. There's there's so many different options for chargers at the moment. Um, the Whoop story is the main one that everyone's getting at the moment because it just makes it just takes a lot of the pain out of the process. Really, you can storage charge them very easily on that. Um, so I would recommend the Whoop store if anyone was going to get one. In terms of a full quad. <sighs> A bind and fly is pretty good. If you're just starting out and you want to get into it, I would probably recommend or point you towards a bind and fly, uh, which is you get the whole thing in one essentially for maybe 100 quid. And um, Happy Model do them. You get the Happy Model uh, Mobula 6 and the Mobula 7. Beta FPV have got them. Oh, that's the whip store, yeah. So that's that's Ooh. a godsend for for any whip pilot essentially. Five fly Okay, cool. Yeah, it really gives you. Um, it just takes the pain out, so you can you can change straight up to storage charging those lipos the moment you've used them, because it was always a bit of a pain to storage charge them back down mm. to three point yeah. eight five volts. You'd have to either hawk the, the charger, or you'd have to know your charger well enough that you could um, type C input as well, so you can just yeah. take like a phone power bank and charge your whoop. That's handy. It's, yeah, looks interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's. They're, they're kind of like the standard now, to be honest with you. They came, this is like version three that you're looking at at the moment. But they're, uh, yeah, they, just, they just make life a lot easier. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. How long did it take to get storage charging on Whoops? It seems like it took (laughs) an eternity. It was like five years before a product came out that would actually storage charge rather than you just take a handful of, fistful of puffy cells out of the bag when you get to the every year. I'd say it's probably only been in the last year and a half that we've actually had 
a solution like the whoop stall to to just remove it. I, I've been using like a, a parallel board on my um, on my Sky RC charger, and I've just been having to parallel charge, parallel storage on those ones. And it's not ideal at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it does make it a lot easier. It is, and if you modern chargers still won't do it. And I've even asked about it. Like last time, I looked at a charger, and it's like, can you do can you do one S storage on this? Like, no, that's that's not a thing. So yeah, I think the Whoop Store is the only thing, the only sort of commercial product I know about that will storage charge one S's. And that, I could do it. one that S off of a name? parallel. Yeah, you can do it in parallel with a parallel board, but then you're just treating like each one. No, S no, no. You can do it as cell. a one S on a parallel board. It'll take a one S cell, but in order to get one S to work, it expects the one S cell to present a voltage both on like the uh, on the the JST, so on the, the the whatever it's called, the balance port and the other port. So what you have to do is you have to bridge the 1S pin on the balance port with the actual charge pin that's like an XT30 and then yeah. put a, a, B, a PH2 off that or something. So you, you like split the LiPo so it goes to both oh, the so balance you can make a lead and the charge it that way and yeah, it. yeah. And then it thinks, oh, yeah, I can do that because it's a, I can balance charge this 1S even though it's 1S and balance charge doesn't mean yeah. anything with 1S. It's just charging. <laughs> I will um, balance this cell yeah. against the other non-cells. And, yeah, and yeah. there's some dumb logic in there where even if it's mm-hmm. one cell, it's like I must have it connected to both. Otherwise, I won't be able to tell what voltage the individual cell is at. There's only one cell! <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make that leap. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I just seen Numskulls posted something about uh, like a, a, a crossfire something. So what, what uh, radio stuff is is generally common because i mean last time i was had anything to do with whoops it was like the the spi receivers on their file sky so it was a bit of, bit of a while ago exactly yeah so well ERS basically is, is it came out and it just kind of blew blew all the competition for me anyway it blew all the competition out of the water and i didn't really see the point in using another um receiver type i mean they've got crossfire whoops out now um and I think there's, there's a lot of people that are rejoicing now that it's like, finally, it's taken that long to get out. But for a radio, anything that actually has an ELRS protocol built in, oh, I said, the, yeah, the Crossfire. Yeah, I think a lot of people, would have been, they've been asking for this for a very long time. Um, and Newbie Drone finally came to market with it. And I think everyone was like, yay, finally. I don't really want an antenna that's twice the size of my quad, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Um, I personally don't use it um, just because I find the the ELRS antennas are just tiny as hell. Either it's a little ceramic tower, which is very, very tiny, um, or it's a copper wire. Yeah. And and the distance you can get on those things is, is just, in comparison to like FR Sky and the old protocols, it's just unreal. It's, it's crazy. And I had this conversation with all my friends at the club. He doesn't seem to think he can feel the difference between, or the latency difference between ELRS and, say, our old FR Sky. I certainly could. The moment I had, I started using ELRS, it was like, oh, whoa, okay, I'm, I'm actually in control of this now. This, this, this is responding to what I'm telling it to do, and I'm, I'm not getting micro fail safes or telemetry issues when I'm literally about ten meters away from myself. 
Yeah, you don't just fly behind yourself and then suddenly find that the quad's on the floor for no reason. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I feel like we're just um, watching Stephen do some shopping now. Yeah, I was going to go to the one that he was recommending earlier. So that was 75 quid. What I was going to point people to was that the one he was talking about earlier, which uh, I do have myself. I've got a couple of these, the little diamond F4 board. Um, It's absolutely minute and it it weighs almost nothing. And it's got a VTX built on as as well. So if you can get them, you see, you just plug your camera in there and then some solder pads for the motors. you have to solder the motors, but it's designed to be super light. So, uh, yeah, you end up with some impressive flight times once you've got this kind of weight saving. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of like the average weight for a race whip these days, I think, is is around 16 to 17 grams. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's as tiny as hell. It's really, really light. But you've got people normally come into those competitions and they've made frame modifications. They've got ultra lightweight canopies. I've seen one guy come in. Um, he had gone round and dremeled holes in the the whoop ducts on the entire frame. He'd literally systematically gone round the entire frame and dremeled holes in it as a as an attempt to save weight. So people do do, do go to extreme lengths to try and. Oh, and the Rennie screws as well. I've forgotten about them. <laughs> Impossible, extremely expensive screws that are tiny. Yeah, yeah there's nylon glass screws. They do actually. Crazily enough, they do actually save you some weight, but your gram pinch in there. They're like 50 pence a screw as well, and you can only buy them in bags of a 1,000 or something stupid. (laughs) They are ridiculous, yeah. Um, What we tend to do is we do a group order, so we put like a post out on Facebook and to everyone and say, hey, we're going to do some, we're going to buy some screws, and then we try and get as many people involved in as possible. That way, just a good idea. Yeah, it takes the cost out of it quite a bit. Someone needs to just parcel them up and do bags of 20 of them on eBay. Well, Drone Junkie um, used to sell them. So there's, um, sadly, it's not up anymore. Um, It closed down this year. It was Race Castle and Drone Junkie. And the the chap that run it, um, Jem, he he had a bunch of Rennie screws that I bought from him. I just thought that was easiest because he's based in the UK. He's selling them quite cheap. But he, when I spoke to him, he's like, it's the pain in the ass to get them because they cost a bloody bundle and, he, and they have to, he has to wait weeks for them to come from China sometimes. So. And then he's got to spend hours pouring one massive bag of screws into <laughs> hundreds of tiny bags. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He allows you to like, order. You only gave me 19, I ordered 20. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I think if I remember correctly, you could order it per screw, which I thought was a bit of a bit of a weird thing to do. Really, I just yeah, no. <laughs> sell it by weight, shouldn't you? Just like an ounce. It's <laughs> a lot of screws. I think they make convenient little bags for that as well. Yeah. Exactly. So, I was what about video system? Has that stayed analog? because it's easier and lighter or have people started to transition to HD zero or is there no advantage in this sort of scale of racing? So analog does have the advantage because you, with a V uh, with HD zero, you're immediately adding a straight up four gram VTX to, to the whole, to the whole setup. So for a whoop, which is like 19 grams, you're adding like an extra, what quarter of the weight straight on there. Whoops become yeah. obese. Yeah. 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 Um, well, there's there's a lot of people out there are doing really good work to try and um, reduce the weight by 
printing these foam, um, these light foam dense canopies or trying to do their own grommets. Um, personally, my methods is to take a pair of snips and start cutting away at the frame because there's small things like you could do, like cut some spokes away. It doesn't I really you were affect... say the VTX for a second. You're no, like no, no, shaving no. off the side of the HD Zero <laughs> VTX with a pair of snips. Don't need that. We don't need that. No. So, so what they so they give you a UFL connector on there if you want to have a UFL. But I actually uh, sold a, a copper wire to the active element on it, just because it's it's point one four of a yeah. gram saved. And you're going to be what like ten meters away from the the whoop, so oh. who cares? Yeah. Um, well, even on that thing, I can still fly up to about two hundred foot, and I still get clear signal on the VTX yeah. with a copper wire, so it's absolutely fine. I raced HD zero at Popham this year. Um, took first place on the first day. Didn't mean to. I felt that was a bit <laughs> cheeky. Winning my own, winning the competition I'd set up. Um, it's great. To be honest with you, I if I could, I would fly HD zero all the time, or I race HD zero all the time. It's just the clarity of image that you get. You can everything is telegraphed. Everything is you can see so clearly with it. There's no latency problems. Um, even when you're maybe you've got four or five whoops coming up to a gate um and depending on what antenna setup you've got on your goggles uh when analog whoops cross over you could potentially get uh, bleeding on signal you could just get some fuzz in the screen i, I just don't get that with uh with hdz i get maybe a little bit of speckles you know the, the rainbow speckles but i mean that happens split second and then i'm i'm, I'm clear picture again so hdz for me um I would recommend anyone to do HDZ. It's if you're going to do it though, um, make sure you you print a canopy that can cover or encase the entire VTX, because otherwise you'll just have a camera that sits right at the very front of it, and you'll have all this VTX space at the back that's exposed. Unless you want to run the shields, but the shields themselves will add more weight on top of it, so it just becomes a a losing fight in the end. And you've got that little mippy cable. You've got to squirrel away and make sure it doesn't get snagged on anything as well. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's the ultimate weak point for me. I, I don't. The mippy cable is is a, a real weak point. If you're not very careful with how you place it, uh, a small prang, dent one of those tiny little microfibered cables, and that's it. That's the mippy cable gone, and you'll have to go and pay six quid to buy another one. And that's what I've I've gone through quite a lot of MIPI cables doing that, just trying to find the best way to mount it, to try and mount the cable so that it doesn't hit anything, um, put foam under the camera canopy to try and sort of protect it. If you're in a of blue. Yeah, essentially. If you're flying it in a bigger quad, I've never had any I've never heard of anyone flying anything bigger than a warp with a HD zero have a MIPI problem because it's the MIPI's under like five inches or five millimeters of carbon yeah. so it's never going to get on larger quads i tended to damage those cables on dgi by like, yoinking them under something when i was installing them or trying to fold them around a sharp bend but once they were installed i never had any issues yeah exactly and it's the same thing um it just becomes there becomes uh, a challenge to find the correct mounting solution when you're putting it because you can run the vtx on top you can run it underneath in the frame there's just loads of different variations and options um, on how you actually build the whip itself 
Do you think the extra just... weight is going to encourage people to have like digital only races where there's more of a level playing field and people can bask in the beautiful technicolor glory of their picture without worrying about being undertaken by some stinking kid on a like <laughs> 15 gram lightning fast boot? I hope so. Well, eventually, yeah. Um, we've started, so Popham did include HD0 this year, and I would like to do that going forward, maybe have a spec HD0 race where the the all-up weight is going to be sort of 21 grams or something like that, and 21 grams and above. Uh, they actually do a spec race at the moment in America. It's called the Underground Whoop League, and it's 75 mil based. I think the all-up weight for that has to be 40 grams, so if you build like, yeah, if you build something like, I think it's 40 grams, including the battery. That's quite a lot, isn't it? It is quite, the whole idea is to, it, it makes the 75 mil feel slightly more like a bigger quad. So you can't just throw mm. it into turns and expect it to respond because you're going to have too much inertia and weight and you'll drift out of the corner. So you, it just, it levels the playing field so that it now becomes about the skill of the pilot uh, when you're doing these races. And I've seen some of them, and they, they look fantastic. You can still go really fast, and the courses mm. are tailored to be slightly different. With a whip track, you'd probably have a gate here, a gate there, a gate here, a gate there, and it would just be like a carnage of going through it. But these ones are just sort of like gliding yeah. through, sweeping turns, more like it's a more like an American track. car as well. So they probably feel more at home. You, you know, you can't can't turn unless you practically <laughs> stopped. Otherwise, you sort of wobble. And... Yeah, <laughs> there's a few of those in there. So I would love to do a spec HDZ race if I could get one in the in the UK. I think a lot of people would probably say at the moment it's just a bit too heavy. And and I, I, I so this is speculation in my own head with um because like Carl's come out recently with like a V3 for the race VTX. I'm kind of of the mindset that a, a V2 for the whipboard is coming out at some point. It, I mean it has to. We've had that whipboard for a year and a half now. It's, it's due an update. Mm -hmm. So potentially a lighter VTX is, is around the corner. I don't necessarily know. But that would Just be fantastic. The question of when they get through their backlog of chips that are sitting in their warehouse, I guess. And then uh, they go to print some more and maybe there's a smaller option available to them, makes everything smaller and lighter. Who knows? That would be great. I suppose. Uh, so you've got, a, there are a couple of pilots in the industry that are trying to push to, uh, get manufacturers to make products that are lighter. So you've just had the beta um, airframe that's just come out. It's a 65 mil frame, but they've used less material in the injection mold. So it's much lighter. Um, it has a much lower profile. And I think a lot of people are going to transition to the airframe going forward just because it's it's lighter overall. Um, I'm flying Lee's Trinity University. Is that is that whoop related? So I just saw Caroline's message Apparently pop up. so. Apparently so. It uh, is indeed, yeah. Beginning oh, awesome. This Saturday. Release. That's brilliant, actually. I did reach out um, to a lot of the people that I know that do work racing around the UK and in uh, Europe just to get a list of things to, mm. to sort of reel off. Um, so if I do it from the beginning of the year, you have this yeah. competition run it's called the Birmingham International uh, Race Day and it's it's hosted by a chap called Matt Snell and it's a fantastic it's an international competition last year we had people from Germany people from Italy people from Poland come over and uh, a chap called Phobos uh, won the race but that's a really that's a really intense competition um, and appended to that 
that weekend we do what well, we do a whoop house. So we we hire a big house, get as many people to stay there as possible, and we do like a mini competition and races in the actual house as well. Cool. It was brilliant last year. We had so much fun doing that. So that's in January. Uh, normally hosted uh, in Bur- in Birmingham uh, in January. The the next one is the uh, Wings and Wheels. Is the next big event. Um, you're aware of Wings mm-hmm. and Wheels, I believe. Yeah, North Wheels, middle of June, sort of that one. Yeah, uh, that's hosted by. There's a group of people. <laughs> they call themselves. We're called the Whoop Council. Um, <laughs> we're, we're a group of people that are trying to create more Whoop events in the UK. So we've all come together. Um, and we're all pulling our resources, um, all of our equipment, gates, uh, HDC VRXs, event VRXs, things like that, to try and um, so just reduce the cost uh, for anyone that's having to sort of wants to do something like this. Um, and we're trying to sort of host more. So I used a lot of the things that they that they supplied for Popham, mm-hmm. which was really useful. So there's, there's Wings of Wheels. Popham, we hope to make uh, a calendar feature going forwards i think yeah. we had we had a really good time this year round so and i think the guys in the airfield were quite happy with the response so hopefully next year we can we can do another one hopefully fingers crossed yeah yeah um then towards so that's around september time and then towards the end of the year you've got sgdc uh it's the south gloucester drone club based in bristol they do a little mini whoop league. It's like five five whoop races um, from October to January. It's one one race a month, uh, and that's really good. It's a great little environment to to get involved with. Everyone's really really helpful there. Uh, the club's just a really nice club to to visit. Actually, uh, they've got this massive venue in a in a sports complex, and the whoops it's it's it's, it's just really nice to go to. So for big events, that's. In the UK, that's all I'm aware of at the moment. I, um, we hope we're going to make some more events uh, in the coming years, but it's we because I've only been in this hobby for a couple of years. And uh, when I first joined the Hanworth Group, mm-hmm. they used to tell me that prior to me coming, they they hosted these whoop nights, but they they were always chock a block with pilots. They always had too many pilots to actually be able to get up and fly sort of thing mm. and then then covid happened lockdown happened and now you, you're kind of limited to maybe four or five pilots um a night if you're lucky so it's a bit difficult to do sort of like organized races like that so i, I, I so the question is yet yeah, has the has the hobby peaked you know have i come in at the at the arse end of it and, and it's just kind of like <laughs> tapering off now or so i think that's where the whip council comes in they want to try and promote um and generate more events yeah. for, for a lot of people to go to so if, if anyone is listening who's like has a little local group or something and, and wants to get involved maybe host uh, an event a, a wider bigger national event with how do they get in touch with the work council where where where's the light to shine in the sky <laughs> they're um they're pretty uncontactable actually <laughs> i would say that yeah, it's a it's just a Facebook group. Um, I would say in the first instance, if you reach out to, I'm going to throw names out now, and they're probably going to kill me for this. Um, so you can, you can reach out to myself. Um, my name's Chris Smith or Dirty McStinky. Um, Matt Snell, who runs the Birmingham One. Uh, Mike Brooks, who runs the 
Drone Racing Cornwall Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Jaggers, who runs the London Indoor Flying Club. Um, he actually, I think he, he doesn't necessarily run two. He does the Indoor London Club, which is uh, a bar in London, actually, which is a quite cool place to go and fly. And then he also is a member of the Hamworth Club, which is in Feltham. So if you reach out to any one of us, I'm pretty sure there was a few other names in the group that I'm forgetting. But if you just reach out to one of us, um, we'll we'll be in contact. Matt's really active in the scene. Paul's active in the scene. So is Mike. So we all try to keep um, as I read the ground as much as possible with regards to any news for whooping in the UK. Mm. And where does uh, outside of the council, uh, where where does sort of a lot of whoop stuff get? Uh, sort of, where does it happen? Is it is it on Facebook? Is there a Discord? Is like is it just people knowing each other? Yeah, so it it is a bit of a. It, I found it initially difficult at first to find information on this, but once you start, once you find one FPV group, like it becomes a it, you're just you, you just get introduced to all of them all of a sudden. Um, mm. So. There's Tiny Whoop UK. There's a Facebook group page on um, called Tiny Whoop, UK, uh, Tiny Whoop UK, and that's uh, like a we post a lot of information on there. If anyone's a member of that, it's free to join. Um, you, you'll generally get most of the information that we find out from there. Matt always shares posts from Birmingham. Mike shares posts, so all of the information that we do get, we, we drop into that chat. So I would say it's not even a chat, it's a Facebook page. So Tiny Whip UK is probably the best place to go for that. Um, there isn't really, uh, far short of that, it becomes a case of who you know, really. That, and, that's, <laughs> and that's the problem with the hobby. It's because it's, it's so niche and it's so small. There probably There's no are, league table or website or something where no, people are no, going. No. no, so that's one of the, the ideas that we're actually bounding around at the moment is, is doing a Whoop League that that is done over a year and over and yeah. it incorporates all of the the big events so they'll they'll all contribute to points over the over the year in the league um and then we'd also do something like set races so some one club would publish a track and then every other club has to race that track and set the best time they could possibly set on that it's kind of that kind of interaction between clubs because there's, there's there's only about maybe about four or five well five now that um Caroline's just pointed out one there that I wasn't aware of. Um, but there, there, are, there aren't that many clubs that I know of in the UK. Um, you've got Hanworth. Uh, you did have Racecastle. Sadly, that's not happening anymore. Um, you have Drone Racing Cornwall, which is quite a big one. Mm-hmm. Drone Circle is based up in Manchester. They are trying to reignite um they used to do a lot of local um, yeah, work yeah. races, but they're trying to reignite that. That one's done by Craig Hannon um, and Dan Carpy, I believe. Um, and those are the only ones that I kind of really know of, like the the bigger clubs that in, kind of interact. SGDC, I think, is more five-inch racing focused, but they do mm. sort of like a, in the in the downtime, they do a little, the little mini whoop league. So it would be well, good if we could get all of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure there's there must be a bunch of the sort of five inch quad clubs that are you know coming into winter are going to be doing less and less. I mean, and I know just thinking about it, I mean, at the moment the uh, 
Team GBR, the the five inch uh, racing team that the BMFA have sponsored to go out to Korea and and do their uh, national racing. That's going on at the at the moment. They're at the World Drone Racing Championships, or whichever yeah. the combination of words describes that event out in Korea at the moment. And um, uh, Cerberus, who uh, runs Killer Quads, has just been made chairman of the BDRA. Um, I know he's he's held uh, tiny uh, events before, so I wonder whether you know there might be some kind of collaboration there. That would be nice. Yeah, um, so he he works quite closely with Matt Snell. Actually, he did the um, the race directing for Birmingham. I, I would really? suspect he's going to be doing it again for the Birmingham coming up. So yeah, Cerberus has done quite a few things, and he, uh, he does a little. He does do a little local whoop night uh, mm-hmm. at a pub in Birmingham. I can't remember what nights they are, though. Just thinking about it, actually, there's two more. There is there is a tiny whoop club in Hull, but I can't remember who runs it. Um, and there is a whoop night hosted down in Brighton by a chap called Mike Pinker. Jack, Jack, you must know this person. Come back to us. He's, he's also, if there's any web developers out there who like Tiny Whoop, <laughs> please, please, for the love of God, someone just put all this information somewhere where people can find it. Screaming out for it, clearly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's probably a takeaway for me off of this is to actually try and consolidate somewhere that's easy for everyone to get to, to, yeah. to have access to this information for sure, where we can then post up all of this um, this good stuff and can get people involved. It sounds like people on the have, have a, a magic <laughs> list of bookmarks. And once you've got this magic list of like 37 special bookmarks to various groups and forums on the internet, you're, in, you're on the inside. That's it, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You're, you're definitely much on the outside looking in and then we might invite you in and then, you know, we'll, we'll assess if we like you or not first. And if we like and you, you must- You've got to take the knowledge and you've got to be able to recite the 37 whoop chapters of the UK <laughs> without, without prompting because you're not allowed to write it down. <laughs> and you will be judged by the whoop council and your entry <laughs> voted on. Punishments yeah. are quite severe, I hear, so mm. be careful. <laughs> it's actually uh, the, the community's really really helpful there's one of the boons about this hobby is the the community behind tiny whoops and, and bigger quads in general are just so friendly and so helpful that you could just turn up with a bind and fly goggles and a, and a radio and say i don't know what i'm doing and someone will sit down work it through that's with nice. you get you in the air i think that's what i think that's what we really like the most about it is everyone is just even if you're racing someone and you're in a competition and their whoop just suddenly just crashes out you, you get like 10 pilots come running over to him. What can we do? Here's some props. Here's a frame. Here's a flight controller. It's so <laughs> much more friendly for beginners as well. Like the, the stakes are that much lower than trying to like scream around with a six, 6S 5-inch, which, you know, could do serious damage with a little whoop. You're like, oh, no, you hit me in the head. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it I mean, if, after all, <laughs> yeah, well, there is a thing called face punching in the, in the hobby, uh, which is basically just flying your whoop into someone's face. They're so light, yeah. they, they're just not going to cause. I mean, yeah. the whoop would end up worse off than it flying into your face. As it is so light, but that's People a that's long a hair have to watch out. That's the only thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why that's we him. usually target Tony, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I've had the whoop caught in my hair a few times. That, um, 
That's painful. It's challenging. <laughs> uh, yeah, please, please, someone, someone must have a problem move at all. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> it normally just results in you pulling it out and you left it with these giant curls in your hair that just stay there for weeks. Could be worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I did want to mention, there was a, one other thing as well. Um, there is uh, a friend of mine, Marshall McFly, is hosting a whoop night on the 20th of October. Um, that one is in Essex. Uh, I might be going to that if I can get myself to it. But it's it's just a one-night whoop fun. Um, Marshall's a really nice guy. He's actually one of those people. He got me into winding my own motors. Um, he's, an, he's an absolute nut job. He's, he just he loves it. I don't know. It's one of those people that likes that kind of pain. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, yeah. so if anyone is actually interested in actually getting into uh, winding your own motors, uh, tap up Martian. Great source of information. Really friendly. He's got a video, right? If you are uh, looking for him on YouTube. Yeah, he's done a few videos. I think he's doing something. He's planning something a little bit more where he's actually going to put a lot of information online for people to actually go and see. Because yeah. there is there is a there is a few people out there that are now starting to do that. I've done a lot of stuff with quads, but I've never considered winding a motor. Anytime I've looked at the information online, <laughs> I've shied away from it. So uh, kudos. That's all I can say there. <laughs> yeah, especially on those seven hundred two motors. Oh my word! Oh, yeah. You just you go blind after ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well. Thank you very much. Hopefully, we've we've kind of collected together an entire body of knowledge of whoops uh, into one episode. Um, well, hopefully, there's sort of more events come out of it because uh, you know I'm sure there are a lot of people that are, are flying in their own spaces. Uh, I've seen lots of tiny whoops just going around after a, a, like uh, a day at the field, so I'm sure they're around. Be to kind of network everyone back together uh oh well i see okay yeah um yeah it would but there are a lot of um in solo whoop flyers and i think there are a lot of other people that are potentially wanting to get into something not so much serious but wanting to join a group of people that are all like-minded and just have fun flying the whoop so if if anyone wants to get in contact um or or needs help arranging an event, please reach out. Um, we're really happy to do so. In fact, we'll encourage and we'll try and make it the best event we can for you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hopefully all, all that happens. But thank you very much for coming along tonight. That's right. Uh, Thanks for having um, me. Wow. It's been great. Uh, you have been listening to Let's Drone Out. Tonight we have had Curry. Goodbye. We've had Stephen. Good luck to all you whoop flyers over the winter. We have had Chris slash Dirty McStinky. Adios. And I have been Andrew slash Frank. Jack left us early in the show. Uh, hopefully we will see him again shortly. But thank you for listening to Let's Drone Out and good night. Thanks to no, our everyone. wonderful Patreons at the bottom as well for keeping the show going. Good night, good everyone. Telemetry lost.